All right, good morning. I want to welcome you all to Mount Olive Church today. Rest, it's an interesting concept. You know, sometimes uh, we just had an extra hour of sleep, right, with time change. And sometimes we have this idea, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more time in my day, I'd have more rest. But I was joking around this morning as we were talking about that a little bit with someone on the worship team and said, uh, yeah, unless you were tossing and turning all last night, right? then the extra hour wasn't restful. And so uh, more time doesn't always actually bring rest. In fact, sometimes time is the curse because when we don't have rest, time just continues on the cycle of a lack of rest. Today we're gonna talk about rest. Uh, We've been in a series, if you're brand new with us, called Simon Says, Who Are You Following? It's a subtitle. And at the very beginning, the very beginning, like, Months ago, you probably don't even remember. We started the series with a concept and a question, a concept that leads to a question. And the concept and the question was this. We all, our following always leads somewhere. Does who you follow lead you to the somewhere you want to be? Following always leads somewhere. That's inevitable. If you follow, it's gonna lead you to some destination. Uh, And the reality is we all follow. To be human is to follow. And so it isn't even a question of, do I follow? The question is, who or what do I follow? And then more specifically, does the who or what I follow lead me to the somewhere I want to be in the end? And today as we talk about rest, we're gonna see that what Jesus invites us into, I believe, leads us to the somewhere we want to be in the end. Now you know this and I know this and you have stories about this and I have lots of stories about this, but life is hard, isn't it? There's like decisions that are hard in life. There's uh, situations and relationships to navigate that are just hard in life. Sometimes finances are hard in life. There's all kinds of things about life that are just hard, but not only is life hard, life can be hard on you. There's things that we didn't choose that kind of just got put on our plate. Life just kind of decided this is gonna be part of your story. And and it can just be hard on us. I remember a number of years ago, speaking of a difficult moment in my life, this was physically difficult, okay? And emotionally and mentally, okay? Uh, I was tree planting between college. And if you've ever tree planted, tree planting is just hard. Uh, There's like two to 300 uh, trees in bags around your waist and you're bending over multiple thousands of times a day to put a tree in the ground. And so it's just, it's hard on your joints, hard on your back. uh, And then it's just gruelingly hard on your mind as well sometimes, because sometimes you just don't want to work. You don't work, you don't get paid. It kind of works that way with tree planting. And so it's just, it was just, you know, summer was a a bit of a challenge. Uh, But this particular day was the worst because uh, we were planting on the side of this hill slash mountain and it was like a rock face. I mean, it was just rock. I, I'm, I'm sure the entire thing was just rock. Uh, but as tree planters, we're trained to find the places between the rocks where there's soil. And the theory goes this way, that if you find or can see vegetation, anything green, there's gotta be soil there, right? It can't just be a rock, there's gotta be soil. So as we're planting on this rock face, we are just following the theory of it all, which is, you know, find the vegetation. But what made this particular day worse then even tree planting and tree planting on a rock face was it was about five degrees and pouring rain and the plant must continue. And so here I am outside pouring rain, drenched to the bone and trying to find 
places of soil on this rock face with my shovel, slamming it into the stone. Now, if you've ever been cold, you know this. It's like your body gets brittle when it's cold, right? Everything just hurts more. And, and I, I remember on this particular day, I was just, I was at the end physically. I was done emotionally. I was done mentally. I was just ready to throw in the towel. I was just so wore out and tired in every way imaginable. And I'm trying to persevere and I'm trying to, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I remember this one moment. I'm like, I'm just ready to lay down and cry. True story. I'm, in, I'm 20 years old. I'm just like, I'm just going to lie down on this mountain and just cry. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep going. And I found some vegetation, a little leaf growing in the rock. And I grabbed my shovel. And with all the energy I felt like I had left, I threw the shovel down, not into soft soil. And it felt like my wrist shattered, it didn't. It felt like it went up to my elbow and my elbow shattered, it didn't. And then it felt like it went up into my shoulder. It felt like my whole arm just kind of like, it just was so painful. And I, I, I couldn't tell anymore after that if the moisture coming down my face was tears or if it was the rain. I was just done. And that's a story. But you have stories. When were you at that moment where you were just like, I am so worn and I am so tired. I don't think I have anything left. The tank is empty. Where you feel like you're just at the bottom of the barrel and you're wore out and life has been hard and life has been hard on you. And you're about ready to give up. I mean, some of the things that were going through my mind were like, I mean, in, in stronger language to this, like, I don't like my life right now. Like, I'm just at the bottom. I'm at the end. And this is true in so many. I mean, maybe for you, it was a financial thing. It was a relational thing. It was a spiritual thing. It was a physical, emotional, mental thing. Life can just be so hard. And this is true of religion as well. Religion can be hard on us. And when you get on the wheel of religion and you're just running and running and eventually you get to the point where you're like, I don't think I have anything left in the tank. And maybe you feel that way in your faith journey today. You just, I don't know if I have anything left. And here's one of the reasons why religion is so hard on us because religion is all about what I can do to earn something, but there, it, it comes with expectations, right? There's the expectations you you place on yourself. It's like, I, I feel like I got to get to this certain level to feel good about myself. But how do you ever know if you got to the level you want to get to? And then there's the expectations of others, right? It's like other people have these expectations of me and I, I want to keep my persona. I want to keep my, my vibe in the community. I want people to think well of me. So I got to live to this certain expectation that others have of me. And you're just wore out from trying to keep all the expectations. Then on top of that, there's the expectations you think God has of you, right? It's like, will I ever? And you're just wore out and you're tired. Maybe you've come today and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a physical, it's a relational, maybe it's a, a spiritual religion. I don't know what it is, but you're just wore out and tired. I have some good news for you today. Matthew, who is a friend of Jesus, said this regarding Jesus when he came to do ministry on the earth. He said this, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus came to those who were just done. 
They were wore out and overwhelmed. And he said, I have some good news for you. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here. And you, I'm inviting you in to the kingdom. And I can do some things about the things that you're carrying. And it was healing. And he was teaching and giving them hope. And then he says this, Matthew says, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the crowds and his heart in sympathetic pity, empathy. His heart went out to the crowds. And this is a picture of us. <laughs> that as we stand, we're like, I don't know if I got anything. God's heart goes out to you. Because he says they were harassed and helpless. The crowds were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And here's the thing you gotta know about sheep. Sheep are really good at following, kind of like people. And so if the shepherd's good, a sheep's life is actually pretty good. But if the shepherd's bad, or there is no shepherd, they tend to make a mess. And this is what Jesus is saying about the crowds, about you and I, that we contend apart from him, make a complete mess of our own lives. And so he comes and he says, my heart goes out to you. And if you're wore out, and if you feel like you're at the end of the rope, you have nothing left, God has some important words for you today. So how do we follow the shepherd? What does it look like even to step into following the shepherd, a good shepherd? Well, Jesus, about a page later in your Bible, two chapters, chapter 11, he says this, starting in verse 25, Jesus says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, and this is an important designation for God. Jesus made this word regarding God famous. It was the most used descriptive word Jesus used of God. And he invited us, just as he called God Father, he invited us to call our God Heavenly Father. And this is important because you have a God who wants a, a tight-knit, close relationship with you. And a God who invites you to say and call him Father. Now, maybe you had a bad father experience, but whenever Jesus uses this term father, it's almost always in relation to the kindness and the goodness of a father who wants a connection with us and cares for us. And so as we, with all of our worn out, and I'm, I don't, I'm at, the, at the top, I'm about ready to blow. Jesus says, I praise you, father, you have a connection to someone, the divine being, God. But the next word is so important. Lord of heaven and earth. See, there could be a temptation in us as we come to God as Father to kind of wipe away all respect and reverence. We're just buds. And Jesus says, no, no, he is a Father and we have a close connection to him, but he is also Lord and King, someone we are to reverence and someone we are called to respect. But more than that, and this is interesting, we have a Father who has compassion on us, but he's not just a really nice guy who has no power to do anything about our struggle. He is also Lord of heaven and earth, a father who cares and has the power to do something about our greatest need. 
So he says, I praise you, uh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And here's why he's praising God in this situation. Because you have hidden, God, you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. It was God's idea and God's plan to have some things be hidden from some people, but revealed to some others. To which we're like, why would God want to hide? And what is it he's trying to hide? Now the word hidden literally means concealed. There's some things that are concealed. They've not yet been made known. Not to some, but they are to others. What is it that's being hidden? I think from the context, Jesus is talking about the kingdom way and salvation, one and the same thing. His kingdom and salvation, it's been hidden, it's been concealed from the wise and the learned. And we may say, why would God wanna hide it? He doesn't want to hide it. But it's been concealed, it's not seen by the wise and the learned, but it is revealed to others. And the reason Jesus says this is because it's a posture he's inviting us to take. There are some things as it relates to the kingdom of God that you cannot grab onto and take in the method and the way of this world. It's a different kind of way. And as it relates to salvation and the kingdom, if you come with all of what you have, saying, look what I have, I deserve. Look what I got. Jesus says, you're gonna miss out. You gotta come as a little child or you won't see it. At all. In fact, Paul the Apostle kind of works this out a bit more in 1 Corinthians. He says, For the message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who say, I've got what it takes. I think I'm, I'm going to be good enough. My morality is good enough. My righteousness is good enough. I don't really need God right now. The cross is foolishness. Why would I humble myself and accept that someone else died for me? And they miss the entire gospel and the good news of Jesus. It's not that God's hiding it from them. It's that they, it's not revealed to them because they don't have eyes to see. There is a posture, but for us who are being saved, it's the power of God. He goes on for, it is written and he quotes, I believe this is Isaiah 29. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. If you come to God on your terms or grabbing it with human wisdom and knowledge, you will never see it because you will never have a need for it. And this is why Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord, heaven and earth. You have hidden some things from the wise and learned, but you have revealed it, displaying there is a posture through which we see our need of God. Yes, he goes on, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my father, Jesus says. And because of that, no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So who is it that the son who has this unique relationship with the father, who is it that Jesus wants to reveal the father to who in John 17, he says, to know the father is to have eternal life. Who is it that gets life? Well, he said earlier, it's children, but now he expands on that. The posture of children, the posture of little child as we come to God. And here's what he says. Come to me, all you who've got it made on your own, who have enough righteousness and morality, you don't need a father, not at all. Who is it that he's willing to reveal the kingdom to? Come to me. You're wore out, you have nothing left. 
you've tried and you're ready to throw in the towel, you say, I've got nothing. Come to me, you who are weary and you who are burdened. If you feel like you don't have what it takes, if you feel like you're at the end of, your, of the rope, if you're done trying on your own, come to me, come to me. But if you feel like you still got what it takes, if you're still good enough to get to the kingdom without me, Jesus said, you'll never see me and you'll never see the way of salvation. It will remain concealed and hidden from you. See, one major thing that will keep you from God is you. In fact, this is one of the greatest things that keeps us from God is our inability to get to that place where we say, I have nothing on my own. God, I come to you as a child, I got nothing. And this is why Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, you who are weary. The word weary means those who toil and labor. <laughs> You've been toiling and laboring. You're, you're just at the end. This is all that you do in life. The word burden is all that life has done to you. <laughs> and if you are coming and you're weary of toiling and just chasing and trying it on your own and you're just done with all that life has put on you and religion has put on you, just come to me, Jesus says, come to me. And then he says, and I will give you not more hours in your day because that could be a curse because you may just toss and turn, but I will give you rest. What does Jesus mean by rest? I think there's a whole great, a whole bunch of things Jesus could mean by rest. I mean, reprieve from toiling and laboring, reprieve from the burden you've been carrying on your own, apart from Jesus. And at this point you finally realize I need you, but undoubtedly if you look up rest in scripture, there is this beautiful picture of Sabbath rest that the writer of Hebrews talks about. And you can't talk about rest apart from going to the Old Testament. And I gotta kind of give you some background here. And we're gonna look at the writer of Hebrews, but the background is this. The nation of Israel was, was born and grew up in slavery, 400 years in slavery. And you remember the story, Moses comes to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, who the Israelites were uh, uh, slaves to. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And then God twists his arms with 10 plagues. And eventually Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And the people are free. They're done with slavery. They've been weary and they've been burdened with the yoke of slavery. And then God says, now come and follow me and I'm gonna lead you to a new land, the promised land where you will have rest. And the nation wandered through. And then when they got to the promised land, guess what they decided to do? They decided to not trust God. And that entire generation died in the wilderness and never experienced the rest, the promised land, the good life. They never experienced what God was offering them. And the writer of Hebrews says this, for we, speaking of us on the other side of the cross of Jesus, we also have the good news proclaimed to us 
just as they did, speaking of the nation of Israel. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed it. They heard the message, but they did not respond in faith. But now he says this regarding us. Now we who have believed enter that rest. It is by faith when we come with nothing of our own and we come before God and say, God, I have nothing of my own, but I come to you as a little child. I come to you with faith that we enter the rest, the kingdom, the eternal life that God offers. This is undoubtedly what Jesus includes when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and you who are burdened by what you're toiling after and what life has put on you and religion has put on you, and find rest, eternal rest. And he goes on, so how, how do we take that rest? How do we enter into that rest? What does it even look like to, to trust in God, to live by faith? He actually goes on to describe it. This is amazing. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when Jesus is talking about yoke, he's not talking about that slimy thing in the middle of an egg that, you know what I'm talking about? He's not talking about that. He's talking about a yoke in the sense of an apparatus, an instrument that was used between two oxen of the same size. Very important. You yoke two oxen of the same size because then together they would have exponentially more power to pull the weight or carry the weight of the burden that had been put on the oxen. And Jesus comes along and says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But this idea of a yoke, although it was meant to make the, the, the burden lighter, had often been used in language as something that was just heavy to carry. In the Old Testament, the new nation of Israel was, was said to have been given the yoke of slavery, this heavy burden of slavery that had been put on their backs that they could not carry. And any Jew in the first century, I don't know if this is true today, but the Jewish people considered it a privilege to carry the yoke of the law. This was the 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And this had been a yoke, a burden that they had been tied to, connected to. And they found it and would talk about it as a, this, this good thing to carry the yoke of the law. But here's the interesting, it was a burden. The law was a burden as well. And Jesus, when, when he was uh, teaching, he often got so annoyed and frustrated with the religious leaders because he said, you've taken the yoke of the law, which wasn't meant to be heavy, and you have just thrown on laws upon laws upon laws that Moses never gave. And this is often what religious leaders do. And you have to be careful of pastors because I as a pastor can do this as well and put laws and laws that Jesus never gave onto the people. And he said, no, 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 that's so wrong. Here's how Jesus said, the teachers and of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, which means they have authority. They have authority because they are the ones who give you the law of Moses. But then he goes on and says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. Rather, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and they put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And they'd been given the yoke of the law. And Jesus comes along and says something completely sacrilegious. He said, I don't want you to take the yoke of the law anymore. 
I want you to take my yoke. And all the Jewish people said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. We are under the yoke of the law. Moses is great and Jesus said there's someone greater. Take my yoke because someone greater than Moses has just shown up. Take my yoke upon you. What would it even look like to take the yoke of Jesus? What is the yoke of Jesus? Well, it starts in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. You can start there to find out what the yoke of Jesus is. It's the Sermon on the Mount. I think it expands even more. The yoke of Jesus is all of his teachings. When we're commanded to baptize people, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, we're teaching them, here's what the yoke of Jesus is. So he says, take my yoke upon you. And he, de he describes what it is. Learn from me. You want to know what my yoke is? Come do life with me. Come learn what it is to walk in my ways. And then he goes on. And I love this. It's so beautiful. For I am gentle and humble in heart. <laughs> I said earlier that a yoke was placed, it was an instrument or an apparatus placed on two oxen of the same size. And Jesus, who is God, chose for your good and mine to place his divinity aside, not to let it go, but not take all the rights he had as God. And he became human. He put himself on our level. And Philippians 2 said, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus says, I am gentle and I am humble. I am lowly. I will place myself on even terms with you. Come be yoked with me. And when you do, you're gonna find rest. There is life in my way and there is life in my name. And not only that, he says, for my yoke, it's easy. And my burden is light. Do you know why Jesus' uh, yoke is easy? Because he is a good shepherd. The word easy literally means my yoke is good. It's benevolent. It's kind. It doesn't mean you don't have a weight to bear. But it's a kind, benevolent, and good weight that we've been asked to bear as we carry the yoke of Jesus. But he also says, my burden is light. Do you know why the burden of Jesus is so light? Because he's beside us. He doesn't ask us to carry life, even what he's called us to do on our own. When Jesus left, he said, I will leave, but I will send you a helper. And I will be with you. And you will carry what you've been called to carry, but you will not carry it alone. See, the burden of life, and there is a burden to life that you cannot escape. The burden of life gets lighter when you're yoked with Jesus. The burden of life, and you can't get rid of the burden of life. There will be a weight, but Jesus has offered us a new yoke, his way, his name. And he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Come be yoked to me. Now, this may sound controversial, but I think it's absolutely true. Your best life is on the other side of you living in Jesus's way. 
your best life, in fact, I think life, eternal life, all of life starting today because eternity starts today, your life, your best life, your eternal life is only found on the other side of going the Jesus way. It's coming to him as empty as you are when you finally realize you're empty. Saying, I have nothing left, I have nothing to give, but I come to you as a child. But it's also in living the Jesus way in all of life. I like the way Frederick Brunner kind of summarizes this idea of the yoke and what Jesus is calling us to as it relates to our temporal life starting now. There's eternal consequences or eternal reward. Obviously, we talked about entering the rest, the Sabbath rest through Jesus, but it starts to affect our lives now as we enter eternal life, even now. He says this, as a, a yoke is an instrument, thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers needed least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. Again, we might think we just need more time to have rest. No, 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 you need rest. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is not just time, because we may just toss and turn, but it's a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens that we cannot get rid of. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers us equipment. Jesus means that obedience to the Sermon of the Mount, and I think even larger, all of his teachings and commands, his yoke will develop us in a balanced and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we've been living on our own. Jesus invites us to live the Jesus way. And there is a weight to living the Jesus way. In fact, today, I don't know if you knew, but today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And when you choose to live the Jesus way, there is a weight and sometimes a persecution that comes with living the Jesus way. But do you know the way the Apostle Paul, who experienced persecution, stoning to death, flogging, 40 lashes minus one, multiple times shipwrecks, all this stuff, do you know what he wrote when he talked about all the struggles he had because he was a follower of Jesus? He said, I count it, we count it, light and momentary. Our troubles are light and momentary in comparison to the reward that we are getting in Christ. There is a weight to following Jesus, but we never carry it alone because Jesus is with us and he carries it for us. And sometimes, honestly, he just carries us. Your best life, is on the other side of you living in the Jesus way. If you have not entered the rest of God, never came to him and put your faith in him, I wanna invite you today, would you come? And if you don't see it, it's because you're not weary and burdened yet. You're still thinking that maybe you got it, but you, when you come to the end and you realize, I don't have what it takes, I wanna invite you, would you enter the rest of God? Would you enter the kingdom? Would you receive eternal life? And it's only found in Jesus. But that eternal life starts now. And that temporal life, what we live now, I think gets better as we follow Jesus. Even though we may suffer, we start to do life better. And let me give you a couple examples as we live the Jesus way. You may choose to live your own way in the area of sexual purity. And in that 
journey of just saying, I'm gonna chase pleasure. You may choose to have all kinds of extramarital and premarital sexual relationships. And in the moment, it is a great deal of pleasure. But undoubtedly, what you will find over time is that every relationship that you have carries a weight to it. And your steps get heavier and your journey gets more difficult. Now let's contrast that with the Jesus way, which is a yoke. Because living in purity and sexual purity to the one person that I've been married to or the one person that I may marry one day comes with a weight. And it's hard and sometimes it's heavy. But as we journey that journey, the Jesus way with him, and he carries us, I'll tell you what, there is a lightness of step that you can carry when you don't have all the baggage of all those previous relationships. You know, another area is undoubtedly people will hurt you and people will wrong you and people will sin against you. Now in my journey of doing it my way, I typically every time, and I bet you're the same, choose revenge, bitterness, because they don't deserve forgiveness, so I will not give them what they do not deserve. And I'll tell you what, you can choose that way and it feels good in the moment, but there is a weight when you carry the revenge and the vengeance and the bitterness of every wrong and you keep calculating every wrong done against you and your walk starts to become heavy. And contrast that with the Jesus way, who's called us to do as he has done and offer forgiveness to those who do not deserve forgiveness. And, which may, this may be the most difficult thing, the greatest burden you will have to bear, but actually be willing to extend an arm of reconciliation to those who have wronged you when the time's appropriate. And I'll tell you what, that's a burden. It sometimes feels too heavy unless Jesus is in the yoke with me and I'm following him. Sometimes he carries me. But I'll tell you what, there is a lightness of step that comes with going to bed every night, not thinking about all the things you're still holding on to. It's called peace and it's the Jesus way. And it will make your life better, but it is still a weight and a burden, isn't it? But Jesus did not say, come to me, all you are weary and burdened and I'll put a yoke on you. And like the Pharisees, I will not move a finger to lift it. He said, no, no, come to me and be yoked with me. And I am gentle and humble and I will come to your level and I will carry it with you. So I don't know what you're carrying today, but I wanna invite you. Jesus invites you. Don't go it alone. He gives rest for your soul, true rest, not more time so you can toss and turn. He gives rest for your soul and enter into the life that is eternal life, the pathway of living in the Jesus way. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. I'm so prone and I confess I'm so prone to doing it my own way. 
I carry burdens that, Jesus, I think you never wanted me to carry. I carry guilt from the past of things that I knew I shouldn't have done and things that now I know I shouldn't have done. And it's a weight you never called us to, bury, uh, to carry because Jesus, you went to the cross to pay for our sin. So I pray today a release of guilt and condemnation over those who are carrying sin because they didn't walk the Jesus way. And you invite us as we come with emptiness and a weight too, too heavy to carry, you invite us to release it. Your word says, cast your cares, your anxiety, cast what you're carrying on me because I care for you. God, you are a good father. So I pray, Father, today that we would be those who release our guilt, our condemnation, even self-condemnation to you. Thank you for what you did on the cross for us, Jesus. And Father, there may be things that I know I take on and I, anxieties I carry that you've called me to release to you. Father, would you allow us to release the things that we're carrying? And then as it relates to walking in the Jesus way, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom to see what it is you're calling us to, what it looks like to take your yoke to, to learn from you, to engage with you and walk in obedience to your way. And I pray today that as we leave, and as we walk in your way, that we would begin to walk as you called and you promised with a lightness of step. We come to you weary and burdened today. We thank you that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and that today we find rest for our souls. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.